Welcome back to the Ball of Verse podcast, episode four, with your host, Alisha Nalani and Asad Babwari. And we're back, better than ever, baby. We took a bye week, but now we're here to give you guys the news that's happening in the sports realm. Asad, take us away. So we're back with a new lineup this week. We're going to start things off with the UEFA Champions Cup, then get a bit, get a little bit into the MLS and what happened there and their season upcoming. And then we're also going to get into the NBA playoff matchups. And now there's also a big topic about COVID and the MLB, college football, NFL, a lot of other leagues are impacted by it. So we're going to get into a discussion there. And then finally, we're going to end it all with a new segment called Rank'em, where Alishan and I will rank our top 10 quarterbacks for this NFL season. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get started with some international soccer. So also, I heard that uh, there's some, a lot going on with international soccer. You mind uh, telling everybody what's uh, up with that? Yeah. So for those that don't know, the UEFA Champions League resumed um, over the last month or so. And last week was the quarterfinals. So the quarterfinals, the matchups were uh, Leon versus Man City, RB Leipzig versus Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich versus Barcelona, and Atalanta, not Atlanta, Atalanta versus PSG. Wait, wait, wait. Is uh, Atalanta also in the country of Georgia or am I tripping? It's not in the country of Georgia. Dang it. <laughs> I was hoping to go visit another ATL, but all right, man. Yeah, go and keep going. Yeah. So here we go. So let's start off with Leon versus Manchester City. So Leon beat Manchester City three to one. Early on, Leon scored a goal. Uh, Maxwell Cornet uh, scored a goal for Leon. And then in the 69th minute of the match, Kevin De Bruyne decided to score another goal for Manchester City to tie things up. And after that, Musa Dembele took over, scored two straight goals in the 79th and 87th minute to give Leon the 3-1 victory over Manchester City. Now, Manchester City actually dominated the game in terms of possession and shots. They had 72% of the possession in the match, and Manchester City also took 18 shots, and seven of those shots were on target on the goal uh, versus Leon, who only took seven shots and six on target. But, you know, I guess uh, this time quality is more important than quantity considering that those seven shots, they got three goals out of. Um, so huge match, um, Leon upsetting Manchester City. And uh, speaking of upsets, we had RB Leipzig upset Atletico Madrid with a 2-1 victory. So Leipzig took the early lead with a goal from Danny Olmo in the 50th minute. Then Atletico Madrid tied it up at, a, at 1-1 on a penalty kick from Jao Felix. And then Tyler Adams won it on a dramatic ending with a goal in the 88th minute of the game. So for those who don't really follow soccer, soccer is usually 90 minutes. That's the total match time. And at the 90th minute, they may extend it for a few minutes or so uh, for any stoppage time. So um, in the 88th minute, it's probably close to the end of the match, and that's when Tyler Adams scored the, scored the game-winning goal. And overall, Leipzig dominated this match in terms of possession with 58% of the possess, uh, possession in this match. And then they were also pretty even on shots. But overall, this was a huge upset. Um, and Atletico Madrid is sent packing home now. Now, speaking of upsets to downright just getting thrashed, um, Bayern Munich versus Barcelona. So 
Bayern Munich, Alicia, you want to talk about how Bayern Munich and Barcelona are two of the biggest giants in the soccer world? Yeah. So let me explain to you guys something. Bayern Munich had won their Bundesliga championship for the past, I want to say, eight years, I believe we had mentioned last time. It was eight mm-hmm. or nine years. Yeah. And this team, literally their whole German team, is full of all these Bayern Munich players. That's how, cra- that's how crazy good this Bayern Munich team is. The strategic way that Bayern Munich plays, they're not a heavy offensive team. They're more of a possession. We move along with the team. And mostly, pretty much everybody on the team has amazing defense. That's one thing to know about Bayern Munich. And in Barcelona, I mean, what, Barcelona is not there without Lionel Messi in our 21st century. Lionel Messi is pretty much the Kobe Bryant of pretty much the La Liga era. Like Barcelona, Real Madrid, that was always a matchup that they talked about for the past five to ten years in the 2010-2020 decade. Atletico Madrid got their names in there as well. Um, But Barcelona, they're a heavy gun team. I still remember to this day Barcelona, and I remember that play, if uh, also do you want to recall my memory, when uh, Messi had uh, taken out uh, Bot- Boateng's legs, if I'm oh, not man. mistaken. Oh, man, that was that was a rough one. <laughs> oh, my God. He took out his legs and scored a goal, and I was like, what? Like, yeah. Messi, the, the, pretty much Messi has changed the whole game of soccer, in my opinion. Like, yeah. that's how much of an influence that Barcelona has had in everyone's soccer lives. Yeah. So when we're looking at a matchup like Bayern Munich and Barcelona, we're trying to look at a, you know, a matchup that's going to be, you know, very close, very tight, you know, something that may be like a two to three or like a two to one type match, you know, like a one goal difference type match. Now this match was just an absolute massacre by Bayern Munich. Initially it was back and forth when the match started off. Okay. Um, Thomas Mueller for Bayern Munich in the fourth minute of the game, scored a goal. And then Barcelona scored off an own goal, actually, by David Alaba um, on a cross by Jordi Alba. So it was one-to-one at seven minutes, okay? After that, it just was over for Barcelona. Seven more goals for Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich mercilessly took 26 shots, 14 on goal, and made... The, the end of the game, the score was 8-2. to two. They scored eight goals in a Champions League quarterfinals match against Barcelona. And Barcelona is, you know, a top-tier team just like Alishan discussed. And this was a huge, huge shock. Such a big shock that Barcelona's manager was fired right after they got their, like, butts handed to them. Like, this was the... Worst loss for Barcelona. And this just opens up a question. What's next for Barcelona and Messi? What's, lo- what's next for Barcelona overall? They have players with expiring contracts. Um, you know, Messi only signs like one-year contracts, I think, anyways. I mean, after an embarrassing loss like that, Messi is, you know, he's at the tail end of his career, right? He's, he's still in his prime, but he's at the tail end of it. Do you think he's better off somewhere else? Honestly... Messi, it just depends on his goals, what his objective is as a soccer player. Is he the man that wants to be known as Barcelona's home and pride for his entire career? Does he want to make changes and, you know, maybe try his uh, skill out somewhere else, maybe in EPL, maybe in Bundesliga? 
even in MLS. I mean, there's so many developing leagues that are happening around the world. And the question is, does Messi have what it takes to succeed in any other league that you place him in? Exactly. I think with Messi, I think when you look at it right now, we're in an era where it's very rare where you have two great players going head-to-head for multiple years in a row. Ronaldo and Messi, Ronaldo and Messi every year back and forth. And it's very hard for either of them to separate each other from the other. And I think right now it's just about both of them trying to get more championships and cement their legacy more than the other. So Messi could be the Barcelona homeboy and, you know, carry that badge for the rest of his life. Or he could probably maybe come to a better organization, right? I mean, this is a new manager coming into a new Barcelona team. I mean, they just fired their manager. There's there's somebody new who's going to be coming in anyway. Um, It's a whole reset. It's different. It takes some time to adjust. The system's going to be different. I mean, I don't know how, you know, Barcelona and Messi can turn it around within a year. I mean, Barcelona has enough money they can get, I guess they can buy players uh, to sort of turn things around. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Barcelona's going to have to make some serious moves in this offseason to keep Messi. Otherwise, I think Messi could possibly look for, you know, other, another home. But yeah. Well, I mean, that's the match. I mean, 8-2, to two, Bayern Munich destroyed Barcelona, and now Barcelona and Messi and everyone's probably thinking about what's next for them. Um, but one final match in the, uh, in the tournament. This was – so I was actually watching this match with our soccer correspondent, Azam, um, and we were texting back and forth during this match. And, like, so Atalanta and, and PSG. So PSG is also one of the European giant teams. So PSG uh, is Paris Saint-Germain, um, and they are France's best team for quite, you know, a long time now. Uh, they're one of the richest teams, and they have some of the best players. They have um, Neymar, Mbappe, uh, you know, other players that are just superb in their uh, in the craft of you know playing soccer itself. And um, it was a great match overall. Atalanta took the lead early on on a goal by Mario Pulisic in the 26th minute, and they took the 1-0 lead, and they held that lead all the way up to the 90th minute. So remember how I told you guys that soccer is only 90 minutes long. So in the final minutes of the match, PSG scored the game-tying goal with Marquinhos off of a ricochet shot. I mean, honestly, Neymar missed a shot. He sort of ricocheted off another player, went into the feet of Marquinhos, and just it was a goal. So after that, you know, the referees decided they would extend the game by, I think, four or five minutes. And in the 93rd minute of the game, PSG scored again. They didn't score for the whole 90 minutes of the game. And then the last three minutes of the game, PSG decided to score two goals. And you know what? This entire match was dominated by PSG in terms of possession. But Atalanta did a really great job of defending up until the final moments of the match. Um, It was a great back-and-forth match for a while. And in the end, it was a huge, huge comeback, dramatic fashion victory by uh, PSG. So PSG will be moving on to the semifinals and the semifinal matchups are set for this week. Um, This week, Barcelona, sorry, not Barcelona, Barcelona's at home. Um, (laughs) Bayern Munich will play against Lyon and PSG will play against RB Leipzig. And the winner of that will go on to the Champions League final. 
And I think everyone is sort of rooting for a PSG and Bayern Munich Champions League final. Both these teams are stacked. Both these teams, you know, are top line in their countries. I think it would be a great matchup for the final, but anything can happen. I think we could see upsets as well. I think it's unlikely, but um, let's see what happens this week. I agree. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this. I'm a big fan of the Champions League as well myself, uh, especially the years that Real Madrid had uh, got themselves into the Champions League finals for three years in a row. Three years against one against Atletico Madrid, one against Liverpool. I forgot their third matchup. I think, yeah, I think it was, there may have been two against um, Atletico Madrid, to be honest. Pro- I think. Probably. I still remember the one. No, against- I think one was, against Ju- one was against Juventus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, yep. you're right. So, I mean, so we'll, we'll see who takes, the, who takes home the crown. Will it be PSG with the team of Neymar and company, or will it be Bayern with Thomas Muller and the rest of the world's famous Germans? Yeah, it's going to be – and don't forget, you know, the Poland, the Poland king, uh, Robert Lewandowski, is on that team too. So You know, uh, sorry, I, I was thinking, it's funny. You say Atalanta had scored in the 26th minute and they held it up to the 90th minute. It's funny. There was a, a one Atlanta team in the U.S. that <laughs> the Super Bowl and oh, they uh, humbled it to New England. I, I just thought that's pretty hilarious. Oh, man. Well, just because both teams to, had fumbled their win. Note to any team that wants to, uh, you know, call themselves anything with the name Atalanta or Atlanta don't don't do it you may give up look, the, look I'm, the I'm last just saying, final like, minutes you you scored the 26 minute and you're holding all this and you know you yeah you i think right there in the 90th minute i and, think i think the 28 to 3 hurt just as much as this may have hurt at atalanta oh god <laughs> all right guys with that being said uh that's all for international soccer but from international we go into domestic soccer and yes i'm talking about the m l s so for for the guys that don't know the two final teams that were into the back to the mls uh tournament it was portland versus orlando city and in my opinion i thought orlando city was going to take the entire thing but portland two to one also what are your thoughts man i mean i think portland's been in the running i think the last four years now i think portland's been there and they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And finally, I guess, you know, in the bubble, they, they did it. <laughs> it it hey. finally happened. I mean, it's, you've, seen them, you've seen them there in the playoffs close to the final four almost the last five years, right? I think mm-hmm. you've had Seattle win it last year, the year before that, Atlanta win it. But Portland's been there. Um, and I think finally, you know, it's about time. And it's crazy because against their opposition, uh, when it started in the round of 16, they only allowed their opposing teams to score only one goal against them each game. And by that, here's what I mean. Their round of 16 game against Cincinnati, the score was one to one, and they won after a penalty shootout. Then the quarterfinals, they went against New York City FC. They beat them three to one. Then semifinals, they went against Philadelphia. They won two to one. And then they beat Orlando City two to one so understand that a team that has put their time and effort out there to only allow a team to score one goal on them only one goal i mean look you 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 know what they say you know what they say defense wins championships hey as long as you're not barcelona you're good to go (laughs) well that's why that's why they didn't win anything (laughs) give up eight goals (laughs) 
Um, but with that, uh, I know the MLS season is starting back up, and there was a matchup that did happen back on Wednesday. It was Nashville versus FC Dallas, and Nashville took the victory 1-0. to zero. And later on, it'll be Nashville and FC Dallas playing against each other later tonight. So I'm definitely looking forward to the new season that's coming in for MLS. Um, also, there's been a debut of some MLS stars, uh, some new stars, and one of them is a pride Juventus player. And you know who I'm talking about. No, who? My boy, my Tweety, man. My oh. Tweety. Yes, sir. Got himself into the MLS. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to be doing in this American league. And, you know, with Barcelona, I know they're looking into uh, getting a new coach. And one of the new coaches that they're possibly looking into is Montreux Impact's manager and former Barcelona star, Thierry Henry. Now, for people that don't know who he is, let me kind of give you a background of who this man is. He spent eight years in Arsenal, then pretty much finished his European playing career with Barcelona, where he scored 35 La Liga goals and added 15 assists over his three years before joining the New York Red Bulls in 2010. He ended up winning two La Liga titles with Barcelona, as well as the 08-09 Champions League belt. So, also, I mean, you tell me, man, this guy is helping out Montreal Impact. He's had history with Barcelona. Do you think he could be a proper good coach for this team? I mean, I think Barcelona is picking a great candidate. I mean, Thierry Henry is a legend, not only in Barcelona, but in Europe. And I think they may be following the Real Madrid approach. You know how Zinedine Zidane sort of led Real Madrid to three straight championship uh, Champions Cup titles. Um, hey, let's see if that approach works for Barcelona. If they're just going to hire one of their huge star players from the past to come in and coach, I think it's a good move. Let's, let's see what happens. I mean, the crazy thing is that you have his teammate, former teammate, uh, Lionel Messi, who could be working pretty much uh, being coached by Thierry Henry. Yeah. I don't know how Henry would pretty much uh, put him in the scheme. And that's, that's a big question. Where does Messi fit in this entire scheme of a new coach? It, it, whether it's Thierry Henry or another coach, it could be anybody that Barcelona chooses. But whoever Barcelona chooses just has to remember that you're working with Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, and a bunch of other young guys that are on this team. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good move. Um, if they're trying to keep Messi, I think getting a familiar face as a coach would be a huge uh, asset to Barcelona for sure. And uh, some last and least, not least important news, my mistake, uh, Atlanta United. Look, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty disappointed with Atlanta United's uh, performance in the yeah. uh, back to MLS uh, tournament, but I know that's also because one of their main stars, Joseph Martinez went through ACL surgery back in March 18th. However, this opened up $250,000 worth of roster funds to sign a new guy in Eric Cubo Torres. And this guy is apparently supposed to be taking over Joseph Martinez position. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Atlanta United yeah. utilizes Eric Torres in his in their lineup. So I think that'll be good. I think especially with Joseph can, like you know coming back from an ACL tear, it'll take some time for him to sort of get adjusted to the game. I think having somebody else come in and sort of fill in that gap for now will be a good uh, asset to the team. And for those that don't know how severe an ACL surgery can be, ACL surgery the Pretty much the recovery time can take anywhere from nine months to 14 or 15 months based yeah. off of 
number one, how athletic you are, and number two, pretty much your recovery speed and how much training you put in uh, for recovering your ACL tear. It's yeah, not a pretty – Sean can speak to that injury. for sure. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not a pretty <laughs> injury. I've, I myself have torn my meniscus fully and pretty much tore my ACL to the point where it could have snapped, but luckily it didn't and healed on its own. So it was a partial ACL tear. But even that took around three to six months for it to repair. So – I'm telling you, an ACL tear is not a pretty sight at all. So I'm kind of actually looking forward to seeing how Martinez handles this ACL recovery. Yeah, I think um, I think just like you said, ACL tears are one of the worst to come back from in, in um, any sport, actually, not just soccer. But, um, you know, hopefully wish him a full recovery. I'm, I would love to see Atlanta United back on top of the MLS. And, I think all um, of the Atlanta United <laughs> fans would love to see that. It would yeah. be definitely an interesting uh, sight to see with Atlanta United taking over spots from Philadelphia, Orlando, um, Portland, and yeah. you know, a lot of those other teams that are up and coming. Uh, but with that being said, you guys, we're going to take a quick short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's happening in the NBA. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Ballerverse Podcast, brought to you by Anchor, music and sound production by DJ Ray Entertainment. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ballerverse Podcast. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Ballerverse Podcast, episode four. Now it's playoff time in the NBA. Alice Sean, take it away. Yes, sir. And we are in our segment called Heat Check Thin Ice. So the NBA was in their bubble in Orlando, Florida, had their games going, and there are some players who pretty much were killing it. So let me start off with San Antonio's point guard, Derek White, who played shooting guard for that team alongside DeJounte Murray. So before the pandemic, he was scoring 10 points per game, three rebounds, and 3.4 assists. Now in the bubble, this man was scoring 18 points per game, four rebounds, and five assists. His minutes went up by five minutes, and on top of that, his shooting kind of dipped down a little bit, but pretty much he was in year three from going from 10 to 18 points per game is fantastic. So Derek White, give you a lot of props for that, man. Unfortunately, San Antonio didn't make it teardrops because this is the first time that didn't, they didn't make the playoffs since 1997. So... That's crazy. Yeah, so, that's probably what. That's like when I think Tim Duncan was a rookie that year, probably. And David Robinson was also on yeah. that team too. So Tim, Tim Duncan, yep. San Antonio, wow. you got to bring yourselves back up, man. Need to. I, work I believe in here. pop. I believe in pop. Yeah. Then you also have a uh, Portland's uh, other player, Gary Trent Jr. This man before the pandemic had scored seven point seven points per game, one point seven rebounds and not even one assist, 0.9 assists to be exact. Now, in the bubble, this man is going 17 points per game, one and a half rebounds, 1.4 assists. His minutes went from 20 to 34 minutes in the game, and his shooting on the field went from 43% to 52%. Gary Trent, I hope you are doing really well, man. I got to give you a lot of props, and I get it. You're no Kawhi Leonard, but you are an essential, essential part of this Portland Trailblazers team. So keep up your work, man. On to another player who a lot of people have been talking about. And no, I'm not talking about Devin Booker. And no, I'm not talking about Damian Lillard. I'm talking about TJ Warren. For those that don't know who TJ Warren is, 
This man has beef with one other small forward in Miami. And I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. These two had a heated heated confrontation with each other during their game in Indiana. And it's funny because the Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers will be facing each other off in round one of the playoffs. But forget about that right now because we're not talking about this confrontation. We're talking about TJ Warren. Let me explain to you about how this guy was killing it. This man, before the pandemic, was having 18.7 points per game, four rebounds, and 1.4 assists in 32 and a half minutes. In the bubble, this man went from 18.7 points per game to 31 points per game. My God, he is doing Luka Doncic numbers. TJ Warren, 31 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, two assists in 36.4 minutes. And this man is shooting 52.4% from the three. He's shooting 52% from the three line. TJ, bro, I'm, I'm telling you, this man, he's a prospect. He came from the Suns. I thought Victor Oladipo was going to take this team. I thought DeMontis Sabonis, oh, before his foot injury, was going to take over. But it was TJ Warren, Miami. Y'all gotta be worried. I'm telling you, do not sleep on Indiana. They have their talent. Moving on to another forward in Denver. I'm talking about Michael Porter Jr. This man went from, in before the pandemic, seven and a half points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 0.7 assists, only 14 minutes. Asad, 14 minutes on the court. This man now is shooting 22 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists with 33 minutes. This man went from starting only one quarter to now starting for majority of the game with 33.3 minutes. This man went from shooting 77% from the free free throw line to 93%. This kid has a lot of prospect. This kid has been compared to guys like Kevin Durant, He's been compared to all these prospects, the very tall, lengthy stretch forwards. Michael Porter is a scary dude, and he can shoot. This young kid can shoot, so y'all better, better be worried because if Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, the Joker, find him, oh, man, it's over. It's done. It's also also Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter is his father, my friend. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm just joking. Look, look, look. When you're talking about greatness like Michael Porter Jr., you forget who his daddy is and you go into who his son is. So I appreciate the clarification. (laughs) Moving on from Denver to Brooklyn, Jarrett Allen. This man, before the pandemic, was already having a double-double, 10.6 points per game, 9.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists on 25.7 minutes. Now, in the bubble, Jared Allen goes from 10.6 points per game to 15.7 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 4.2 assists with 34.1 minutes. So he's been developing his game really well. We know he's really good in the paint. We know he can get the rebounds, but now he's passing? He went from 1.3 assists to 4.2 assists per game. You're telling me he's averaging four assists a game? Also, man, the fro. I'm not telling you. His stats are telling you that, man. <laughs> Look, the fro. The fro. Y'all got to be scared of the fro. This man blocked LeBron James' shot last year. Be scared of the fro. He, he, ain't, he ain't some kid that you need to sleep on. 
he's for real. And then let's stay with Brooklyn because we're not talking about Kyrie. We're not talking about KD. We're not even talking about DeAndre Jordan. We're talking about Karis Lavert. 17.7 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. This was before the bubble. Now, during the bubble, he scored 25 points per game, 5 rebounds, and 6.7 assists on 33.1 minutes. For those of you that don't know, Karis Lavert a couple years ago was on the peak of his career and had a terrible leg injury. A lot of people felt sad for him. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. They all saw how prospering this kid is. So the fact that he's going from 17.7 to 25 points per game, Karis, you are putting yourself out there, man, as a legitimate threat for this Brooklyn team. So I'm proud of you, my man. And last but not least, on our heat check, my boy, Damian Lillard. He was announced MVP of the bubble. Yeah, you thought I was going to say MVP of the NBA. Uh-uh. He won MVP of the bubble. Alicia, what time you, is it? What time is it? It's Dame time. It is Dame time. Let me tell you something. Lillard averaged 37.3 points per game, 9.6 assists, and 4.3 rebounds. Also, he was shooting 50% from the field and 44 from the three. He was averaging almost 40 points a game. He brought his Trailblazers team from the 11th seed to the 9th seed, beat, took out Phoenix's 8-0 team, by the way, in the bubble, and beat out Memphis in a late fourth quarter comeback, scored 61 against the Mavs, had beat out the Brooklyn Nets. He shot a three from the half-court line for crying out loud. Damian Lillard, this man unanimously deserves MVP. Of the bubble, and I agree. This man deserves to be in the cover of 2K21. He is the man. And look, also, and I can both agree. His beef that he has right now with Pat Beverly and Paul George. Look, let me explain to you about this beef. So Paul George and Patrick Beverly apparently have beef with Damian Lillard, and it all started with what happened in the bubble between the Clippers and the Trailblazers. Damian Lillard was supposed to sink his free throws. And so he needed one free throw to sink in. He missed both. Pat Beverly's response was, it's Dalla time, because that's Damian Lillard's rap name, Dame Dalla Lillard. So he was saying, it ain't Dame time, it's Dalla time. And then Paul George, of course, gives him the wave goodbye, the same wave that Damian Lillard gave to Paul George when he sank that three to eliminate OKC last year from the playoffs. So also, what's your take on this? All right, first of all, Paul George needs to shut up. Okay, Paul George has no business waving goodbye to Damian Lillard. This is a regular season game, okay? Let's not forget, Damian Lillard like crushed Westbrook, Paul George's dreams and hopes, all of Oklahoma City's dreams and hopes last year. Oh, oh and, and on guess, top of that, and guess, who was, guess who was guarding it on that last play? Last year, in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, Damian Lillard hit that game-winning three-pointer in Paul George's face. I think it was almost like it was a very deep three as well. And right after that, just wave goodbye to all those poor Oklahoma City fans because at that time, if Damian Lillard did not hit that shot, maybe OKC moves on. But Oklahoma City got eliminated, and that team blew up, bro. And Westbrook left, Westbrook left, PG-13 left. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, PG-13. It's very easy to go join a team with Kawhi Leonard and another superstar. But Damian Lillard's been doing it by himself. With I mean, CJ McCullough's there. And the, uh, there's a couple others as well. Carmel Anthony's there. Yusuf Nurkic, yeah. Hassan Whiteside. At but the at, the end of the at the end of the day, you don't see Damian Lillard leaving 
Portland to go to another team to team up and try to win a championship like that. Damian Lillard has stayed true to Portland, and he has sent both Patrick Beverly and Paul George's teams home the last two playoffs. Oh, and if I may add, uh, both his buzzer beaters that he scored back in 2014 and 2019 were against Patrick Beverly and Paul George, if I may yes, add sir. to that. Yes, sir. So, Pat Beverly and Paul George, just remember one thing. Damian Lillard, you need to put respect on his name. He And look, here's the thing with Lillard. Lillard understands that these guys get under his skin. But see, he's not mad about that because he knows you don't want to test Dame time. Damian Man, Lillard really will wish, get you. I really wish Damian Lillard was going up against L.A., the Clippers, in the first in the first round, man, I really wish. Oh that. man, yeah, and then wave him goodbye. I yeah. wish. I, I, he, want to I, I would take Portland in that series. L.A. L.A. Clippers versus Portland. I would take Portland in that series. I mean, not with a lackluster defense, but you that's can something. do whatever. I'm taking Dame time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, on to uh, the. Uh, but yeah, uh, and also a uh, shout out to Phoenix Suns. Look, you guys went eight and zero in the bubble. Head coach Monty Williams was named top coach of the bubble. So congrats to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, now, from the heat check, we get into thin ice. And first off, and it, you're gonna, you're gonna be you're gonna be surprised about who I have in my thin ice, Asad, because Giannis, look, man, you are the most fantastic combination of a stretch forward that has come to this game. But when you lose your cool in the Wizards game and start headbutting people. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I'm worried for the Bucks. I'm worried. Because if, if Giannis does stuff like this, he's not going to be able to play for the team. Hey, man, he was just channeling his inner Zinedine Zidane, right? That's, that's all he was trying to do, right? But I'm worried, man. Look, <laughs> I, know, I know. And look, I know he didn't mean to do it, and he apologized and everything in this press conference. But Giannis, you got to be careful, man. You do stuff like this. You're going to get yourself ejected. You're not going to be able to play for this team. And you expect Chris Middleton by himself to take over with this team? Maybe in the first round, but you're not making it out of the second round with that. So Giannis, man, I'm watching you, dude. I'm watching you. Um, And let's talk about another team, the Pelicans. I'm kind of worried about you a little bit, but not too much in my thin ice. The only reason is because recently they just fired their head coach, Alvin Gentry. So we don't know what the new culture is going to be looking like for the Pelicans. I mean, yeah, you have Zion, you have Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes, Derek Favors, J.J. Redick. You have all these guys that are on the team. But who's going to be their head coach? Who's going to come in and shake up the New Orleans system? So Pelicans, I put you in my thin ice for now, but I hope you're not in there for long. And last but not least, the Washington Wizards. What, what, what's up with Washington? First the Washington football name, then the Washington Nationals don't want to do really well. Now the Washington Wizards? Yeah, I mean, nothing in Washington works anyway, so it's fine. And not even Trump, so it works. Exactly. <laughs> but look, listen, you let the Charlotte Hornets, their win-loss ratio, oversee your win-loss ratio, and they didn't even play in the bubble. Right now, the Hornets have a .354 win percentage. The Wizards, who are in the bubble, have a .353, and they're not even done yet. So, Wizards, you need to either sell John Wall, you need to sell Bradley Beal, 
you need to sell somebody because it ain't working for both of them. You are underutilizing both talents. And I'm a big believer of Bradley Beal. A lot of people don't know. Bradley Beal, along with Damian Lillard, has been killing it, giving it his best season this year. And the fact that Bradley Beal is being underutilized in this Washington Wizards team makes me sick to my stomach. So, Wizards, you need to get yourselves together. Find a way to sell Bradley Beal. Get yourself some draft picks. Make yourself into a better team because this is ridiculous. I'm sorry, also. This is ridiculous. As Stephen A. Smith says, this is blasphemous. (laughs) And with that, we want to get into the playoff predictions. It is playoff time in the NBA. All right. Let's go conference by conference, okay? So, in the Eastern Conference, you have the Milwaukee Verks versus the Orlando Magic. Now, in the regular game series, the Bucks beat the Magic 4-0. So they've won all their games against the Magic. Um, from my side, Alicia, I think this is going to be an easy sweep for the Bucks. I think the Bucks win this in four games, five games max. I don't think this is past five. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, 4-0. Four, four to zero. Yeah. Um, all right, Toronto and Brooklyn. This is an interesting matchup. But at the same time, I think this is going to be Toronto as well, maybe in five or six games. I, I got him at game six, Raptors defeating the Nets. Yeah, same. And I think for the regular season series, uh, the Raptors lead it three to one. So um, it's, you know, Brooklyn, maybe next year when you get KD back. But I think this is not going to be your year. Um, okay. The next series in the Eastern Conference is probably one of the most interesting series. It's Boston and Philadelphia. I think... You know, it's a close one, but I think Philadelphia has been pretty dysfunctional, to be honest. Um, Philadelphia owns the season series, by the way. They've, they've beaten Boston um, three games to one. But I think Boston will take it. I think you know, when, when time comes in the playoffs, Boston's going to take the series. I think it's, it, this may go to six or seven games, but I think Boston's going to take the series. I agree the same. Um, I think six games. And the reason why I say this is because you have a dysfunctional team you don't have Ben Simmons on your team. He just had surgery on his left knee. So you're without a good point, actually a very stable point guard and big man on yeah. your team. You're left with Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid on that team. So I don't know how that team is going to you know, function against the young guns like Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and all those guys. Right. Um. Yeah, and then the last matchup in the Eastern Conference is I think this is the most this is the closest matchup. Indiana and Miami. Um in the season series, Miami has beaten Indiana three games to one. But now when we look at it, um, you know, what do you think, Alicia? I, I I think that is gonna be I think it's gonna be Miami in like seven games, six, seven games. What do you think? And I have to agree with you, game seven. Here's the reason why. Aside from T.J. Warren scoring 30-plus points per game, aside from them having Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, um, they don't have DeMontis Sabonis on the team, but they're still working with Dario Saric on the team. But with those guys, you're taking on young guns with Jimmy Butler, with Bam, who has improved a lot on his game. Bam Adebayo has been improving on his game. Um, You also have Tyler Hero, who's been the hero. Duncan Robinson has been you know, classifying himself as a three-point shooter. Goran Dragic is over there, you know, giving a lot of passes and dimes to guys like um, Derek Jones and Kelly Olenek and all those other guys. So, honestly, Miami Heat, 
I have them winning game seven. It, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. This is going to be a very, very difficult matchup for Miami because a lot of their players really match up with one another. If you really think about it, you have Bam and Miles Turner um, in the center position. You have Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren and their beef going on in the small forward position, Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero in the shooting guard position. So it's, it could be anybody's game, but I mean, I'm going with you in the Miami heat, honestly. Yeah. All right, let's shift over to the Western Conference now. Um, so let's go with Los Angeles Lakers versus Portland Trail, the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, what do you think? I think this, you know, as much as I want to say, it, I, I would love to cheer for Damian Lillard and help, you know, maybe they can win it all. But honestly, I think this is going to be Los Angeles in, in six games. I, I, I have – and now see, this is the difference. I have L.A. winning five. Originally, I was having L.A. 4-0, yeah. oh, but look, you have LeBron James playing point guard. You're going to have him guard Damian Lillard. He, he's going to be all up on Damian Lillard. He's going to make sure that da- that Dame time doesn't yeah. exist. Then you have C.J. McCollum. I mean, you have Kyle Kuzma that can guard him. You have Danny Green that can guard him. I mean, Anthony Davis can cover uh, Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic along with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, who can also cover those guys. So, I mean, honestly, you have the matchups, but Lakers, they just have a self-defining team that looks really good and really yeah. polished. Yeah, I mean, you have – playoff LeBron is is a different beast. <laughs> and when he when he goes into playoff mode, I don't think there's any team that really stands a chance. This is the same man who came back 3-1 to one against the Warriors in the finals a few years ago. Um, I think the Lakers are here to make a deep run for the playoffs. I agree. And then we move on to uh, Rockets and Thunder. Uh, also, who do you got on? Oh, sorry, not Rockets and Thunder. My mistake. There's another one. Clippers. We can, and we can do Rockets and Thunder first. It's fine. All right. So we got uh, Rockets, Rockets and Thunder. Thunder. I mean, we can we can take a look at it. I think Houston's going to walk away. I think five, six games max. I and so for me, I have them game seven. And, and really, and, and and look, let me explain to you guys the history of these teams. The Rockets and Thunder this past off season had traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Chris Paul was playing in Houston, now playing in the Thunder. Vice versa, Russell Westbrook spent his early years, pretty much all his career, with the Thunder. And I mean, same year, with James Harden, too. James and Harden. Yeah, and same, and same with James Westbrook Harden, exactly. City with Kevin Durant years right. ago. Right, and, and they had that whole trio going along with Serge Ibaka. But now, yeah. Russell Westbrook took his talents to Houston. And now, honestly, I have them winning Game 7, and here's the reason. You have Mike D'Antoni's small ball system along with a six foot six center and PJ Tucker running with these young guys. But the Thunder, they have pretty much changed everybody's minds in a snap of their fingers. Shea Gillis Alexander, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, who, by the way, in my opinion, should win six man of the year, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, all these guys have been killing it for the Thunder. They've been doing their best to bring this team to the top. A lot of people thought the Thunder were going to be dead last, to be honest. I thought Thunder were going to be dead last because this team is a growing team. They're a rebuild team. But the fact that you bring yourselves into the playoffs as the sixth seed, I feel like they're going to give the Rockets a lot of tough competition. Oh, for sure. I think it'll it'll be a good matchup. Um, I don't think it's going to be as close as as game seven. I think it'll be probably five or six games, but 
I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, we can't sleep on James yeah. Harden. We can't sleep on Russell Westbrook. Right. It, those two know how to control the floor really well. It's just how the Rockets utilize those two will be what we see when the playoffs come. Right. I then think we got the, the Clippers and the Mavs. Is, uh, yeah, the Clippers and the Mavs. I think, you know, I love the Dallas Mavericks. I love Luka Doncic. I love what they have going. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the LA Clippers are going to win this. I think this is going to be five or six games. I agree. I think uh, game six uh, – I don't think a lot of people have uh, understood Luka Doncic's game. This man scoring 14-plus triple-doubles and what he can do with this team. Luka Doncic has – this is year two, and we're already comparing him to be a scoring god and scoring machine. But I'm just so interested in seeing Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic one-on-one. That's yeah. going to be very interesting for me. I think it'll be a tough matchup for L.A. I think they may go to – I'm pretty sure they'll go to six games. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna be LA in the end. Yeah, uh, I think Game Six is where uh, Clippers will beat Mavs. And then last but not least, we get the Nuggets and Jazz. I believe that this is gonna be a very interesting matchup. You have Jamal Murray and the Joker taking on the Spider Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, I have Nuggets winning Game Seven. Yeah, um, same here. I think I think Denver. Um, I think it may be game six. I don't think it'll get to game seven. Denver has a really solid team. They're really underrated as well. Um, and especially, honestly, honestly, I mean, later, even later on in the playoffs, I think for the Lakers, I think the Denver Nuggets are probably one of the toughest matchups. Um, but to be honest, I think in this, in this round, I think Denver takes it six games. The um, fact that you have an improving uh, Michael Porter Jr., P.J. Dozier, um, you have guys like Bol Bol who are coming in and they're yep. doing their thing for Denver. It's it's the Denver has this like sort of you know it's the team where everybody just does their job. They it's a role players that really make this team really good. Yeah, um, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm, the I'm NBA looking- playoffs they start this week. So starting Monday, starting Monday, you stay will see tuned. It's going to be playoffs. a lot of fun. The NBA playoffs are back. UEFA Champions League is this week. MLS oh, is starting their season. So we're restarting the season. Um, it'll be fun. So everybody stay tuned and, and pay attention to what happens. And we'll, we'll try to have um, episodes out every week to talk about what's been going on in all these leagues and recaps and highlights as well. But uh, with that, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Ballerverse podcast brought to you by Anchor, music and sound production by DJ Ray Entertainment. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ballerverse Podcast. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Ballerverse Podcast, episode four. And now we are here to talk about a serious matter with COVID. Happening in MLB, NFL, and also the NCAA. Also, clarify with us on uh, what's going on with that. There has been a lot of big news with COVID-19 and the MLB, NFL, and college football. All three sports, by the way, have chosen to not go through with the bubble approach. Now, we look at the MLB. The MLB has had to cancel multiple games because there's – there's many teams, including the Marlins, the Cardinals, um, and uh, a few others that have had instances of COVID and 
not even just one or two, but almost half the team in the case of the Marlins and the Cardinals had testing positive for COVID. And they've had to cancel and postpone games. Um, and this is really messing up the, the baseball schedule for the rest of the year. They have a 60-game schedule. And now they have to make so many scheduling tweaks for things to work out. And you know what? It just begs the question, why didn't they go with a bubble approach just like the NBA did, right? Understandably, they're bigger rosters. But now we see that not going with the bubble approach has really derailed the MLB season. I don't think baseball can, I mean, I don't know how they're going to have the season go complete if they keep this up. They keep putting in new um, COVID like guidelines and new COVID violations, but at the end of the day, nothing's happening. Yeah, man, I totally agree. Honestly, the MLB, in my opinion, isn't really taking as much precaution because one of the things that they mentioned is that, as you said, they were going to increase their COVID protocol. So they were allowing, uh, or not allowing, but it was required for players, coaches, and management to wear a mask while they're in the dugout. But it's not required to wear a face mask when you're on the field. So if you're an umpire, uh, if you're a pitcher, if you're a batter, if you're on base, you're not required to wear a face mask. So for me, that, that worries me, especially if, first off, no social distancing from the runner and catcher. So, if, so pretty much in baseball, if you hit the ball and you run the first plate and, you know, the pitch and the catchers get the ball, they can get you out unless your foot is on the plate. So that distance between the runner and the catcher is not even six feet. So that kind of worries me on top of that. Yeah, I think, I mean, they're taking as much precautions as they can without a bubble. But at the same time, like, I think it's proving, again, that without a bubble, that things will collapse. Like, look at the NBA. It's worked flawlessly. The MLS, WNBA, all three, even NHL, all, all four of those sports have had a great, you know, turn out, they're safe. Um, but, you know, when there's no bubble, it's hard to sort of, you know, stop the spread of COVID, especially if it has, even if one player has it, it's going to go all around the team. I so, agree. Um, I mean, moving on with, with the, the COVID situation, um, you know, college football this week, two of the five Power Five conferences announced that they were not going to have fall sports this year. So, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So for those of you who are new to college football, um, college football basically has, they have a lot of conferences, but there's the five major uh, conferences where all the major teams play, and that is the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Um, so those five conferences a few weeks ago agreed that they would all play fall sports. They all came out with their schedules and everything. Um, and now the... SEC, Big 12, and ACC are the only teams that are continuing on with that plan to play in fall. Big 10 and Pac-12 have opted out of playing, or they've canceled their fall season, and they're saying they're going to try to play in the spring. Um, a lot of the players didn't like that. A lot of the fans didn't like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, these colleges are putting the lives and the health of their students first, especially because they have some sort of study that led them to believe that there's some heart condition caused by uh, COVID or heart or lung condition that's long-term that's caused by COVID. So they're going to try to protect the players as much as possible. The SEC, ACC, and Big 12, um, you know, it's, it's a battle between the big, the, you know, Power Five conferences, who's right, who's wrong. Um, but right now that's what the situation's like. 
for college football. Honestly, and I, man, it's considering the SEC and Big 12 being in uh, two predominantly high COVID case locations. So you have some schools that are in California, some schools in Florida, some schools in Georgia, um, and they're all ranked up top in the top five for coronavirus cases. So, yeah. you know, it, it's sad to see that because what, it, what it's telling me is that, you know, you want to favor the love of football over the health of your students. And you know, students. Sh- I mean, some of those colleges don't even have, uh, aren't are doing like full on in person classes. They're not even doing online. So, I mean, that just speaks volumes as to the ignorance of not only the conferences, but to those schools and their presidents as well. Absolutely, man. And lastly, uh, the NFL. <sighs> the NFL with COVID. I mean, the NFL's plan right now is. Let's go the way we're supposed to go and pray nothing happens. That's <laughs> that's their plan. They're gonna go about it the same approach as the as as baseball did. And now you know you know we don't have a preseason. The season starts in I think almost um like three or four weeks from now. Um, I don't know. I know that some st- some stadiums said there's there's gonna be no fans uh, at all already for the first few games and see how it goes from there. But to be honest, I mean, the NFL is setting themselves up for failure. I mean, MLB is a great, you know, like a great indication of what's happening there. And I know, Alishan, we were discussing earlier that maybe setting up a couple bubbles in the NFL can make a big difference, right? Like maybe have have the bubbles in like, the main thing is we don't want people traveling for long term. So if you put a bubble in, you know, uh, Texas, you have about, you know, two or three NFL stadiums there with addition to the four or five major college football stadiums there. So Texas would be a great state to have a bubble in Um, Florida. Florida has three NFL stadiums, multiple colleges that are, you know, nationally ranked with, with great stadiums. They have the Florida state stadium. They can use, you know, university of Miami stadium as well. Um, And then California, you know, California has, you know, three NFL stadiums, Oakland's old stadium too. And um, it's right next to Nevada and Oakland has a new stadium there too. So, I mean, they could use a lot. They have about four NFL stadiums available to them. And plus, I mean, you have the Rose Bowl stadium, you have UCLA, uh, um, you have, you know, USC stadium. There's a lot of, you know, stadiums available there for them to play games at. I think the bubble approach could definitely work um, in the NFL if they keep it at, you know, within an interstate bubble. I mean, what do you think on that? I mean, I know you brought this up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, in my opinion, if, if you're talking about creating bubbles, well, and that's a good point to bring up is that, you know, having a bubble in California, Texas, and Florida, you know, it provides a lot more stadium field usage for teams to utilize. Because if you go into states like Georgia, New York, Chicago, or not, not Georgia, sorry, Atlanta, (laughs) Chicago, and New York, city um yeah they're big cities but i don't feel like that they can provide as much of like the stadium revenue as states like florida and texas and california so in my opinion honestly if you have the nfc and afc west teams and the afc and nfc south teams be in one bubble then you have the nfc east afc east nfc north and afc north be in another bubble and you just have those teams interchange schedules amongst one another and you have you know 
you have pretty much 32 teams overall. 16 of those teams can play in either California or in Texas, whichever, because they're near one another. I'm talking about the AFC South and um, NFC yeah, South. Yeah, maybe like AFC South, NFC South, NFC East. And like the Western Division. Yeah. And then the Western and the Northern Divisions can play in the California. I mean, right. And, and the main, and I think the one of the main things is also like we want to make sure um, that during, I mean, uh, the fall season and, you know, the flu season, you don't want to be in the North, really. You don't want to be in colder temperatures because that's where, that's where a lot of the uh, spread can increase. Exactly. And so that's why a lot of people are so worried when November, December comes through because that cold can really increase the amount of coronavirus cases that's uh, coming. So honestly, if an NFL, honestly, I'm, and also and I are really, really trying to ask you guys to really reconsider in the future this approach that you're going through because having stadiums open for people and then only having 20% capacity, I get it. You're, you're decreasing the amount of fans that are coming to the stadium, but that still doesn't mean you're preventing the amount of travel that's happening. And even no fans should come. I mean, think about how the NBA and MLS and international soccer are like literally cooperating even MLB even though they have no fans that are there in the stadium they're providing like um make makeup people that are in the back of the home plate and there's like no people that are there in the field even though they're not taking on the bubble coach the NFL you know I understand it's national sport football is a national sport we all look forward to it from the months of September to February but it's honestly not worth risking players conditions to have an NFL season. No, I completely agree. I think, I think at this point in time, the NFL needs to reconsider their COVID policies. They need to consider their, um, I mean, they have a month. It's not, it's not difficult to set up a bubble. The NBA did it. Um, I understand there's more logistics with, you know, the NFL personnel having almost like a hundred people per team. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. And uh, with that, man, I know uh, we need to get into – oh, wait, sorry. I remembered that there's a, there's a one segment, man. I still can't get that name right, bro. It is um, – oh, man, it's a Cha-Ching Day. What, it's Cha-Ching like, Day? The Cha-ching hell? Day. What's, it, what's it called? Um, I, it's been a couple – you know, bye week, my memory's gone. Um, uh, I think oh, it, man. It, it rhymes with uh, – Oh, rhymes. I just got paid yesterday. Oh, payday, payday. 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 It's payday. So we are back in the payday segment. So the first big contract of the week, we have the Bills left tackle Dion Dawkins signed a four-year $60 million extension. Woo woo. That's a big contract for a lineman. So congrats, Dion Dawkins, for the big payday. Another news, Chief Star tight end. Travis Kelsey agreed to a four-year, $57 million contract extension. So the Chiefs, they've been busy this offseason. They've locked up their top players. Pat Mahomes, uh, Chris Jones a few weeks ago, now Travis Kelsey. Their stars have been locked up for the future. Now, this has to be one of the biggest contract extensions. Joey Bosa, five years. $135 million. This contract includes $78 million guaranteed at signing. 
just when he signs the contract, he's guaranteed $78 million. And then 102 million guaranteed overall, de- determining um, you know with incentives and everything else. That is the highest paid defensive player in the league now. A couple weeks ago, it was uh, Miles Garrett because he signed a big deal, but now it's Joey Bosa, and he is the highest paid defensive player in the NFL now. So huge Man. congrats to Joey Bosa. And then just this week, uh, Kenny Clark of the Green Bay Packers signed a four-year, $70 million contract. So Kenny Clark has been an outstanding – I'm a huge Packers fan, so Kenny Clark has been an outstanding nose tackle for us. He really plugs up the middle um, for us and honestly, well-deserved contract. And one of the biggest contract signings this year is George Kittle. Five years, $75 million. It's a $15 per year average and guaranteed $40 million and $30 million guaranteed at signing. So congrats to George Kittle, congrats to Kenny Clark, congrats to Travis Kelsey, Deion Dawkins, and most importantly, congrats to Joey Bosa for earning their paydays. Yes, sir. And now it is time for the grand finale. Ladies and gentlemen, for the main event of the evening, we are now in the segment called Rank them. Rank them. There we go. We're about to rank the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL going into the 2020 season. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, Alishan. Let's go. Let's go through each of our lists. Um, so who do you have at number 10? Number 10, I have the man who surprised everybody. I'm talking about this team knocked out the Patriots and Baltimore from the AFC playoffs and lost barely to the Kansas City Chiefs by two touchdowns, but still, it was still pretty close. And there's one man, not Mike Vrabel, but one man that was doing his thing and making a comeback as a quarterback. I'm talking about Ryan Tannehill. My boy, Ryan Tannehill. For a second, I, I thought you were going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I was going to say what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick helped me in my fantasy last year, but that's not the point. Ryan Tannehill has been killing it. So I got him at number 10. All right. For me at number 10, we have – this man has definitely earned his paydays in the past. He played under the GOAT Tom Brady for three years – then got traded, and finally got his opportunity to shine. And this year, his first full season starting as a 49ers quarterback took the team to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they didn't win it, but Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, is my pick uh, for the 10th best quarterback in the league. I mean, hey, that's <laughs> – look, you're talking about uh... – Pretty much a Super Bowl team that lost to Kansas City, barely lost to Kansas City. Yeah, you lost to Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to give you a pass on that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, number nine. Moving on to number nine. Now, this guy, I'm telling you, a lot of people are sleeping on him. I don't think they understand the type of quarterback that he is. This man, last year, threw for 4,039 yards, 27 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions. Okay? This is probably one of the most developed quarterbacks in the nfc east 
And no, I'm not talking about Dak Prescott and them Cowboys. Yeah, how about them boys? Yeah, y'all don't even get past the first round. <laughs> I'm talking about Carson Wentz. This man, he's got Jalen Rieger on his team. He's got Jalen Hurts, who's going to be learning from Carson Wentz. You still have Zach Ertz on the team. You still have Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, who's, I hope, he's still taking his classes and doing better. But look, this Eagles team, they're scary. They're really scary when they're really healthy and they're good. So I'm giving Carson Wentz number nine. All right. Well, for me, number nine is going to be Matthew Stafford. Um, Matt Stafford last year, poor guy, got injured, wasn't able to play out the entire year. But some people forget, Matthew Stafford is one of the most talented players in the NFL. Over the last 10 seasons, over the last decade, the Detroit Lions have only been relevant because of Matthew Stafford. Yes, he doesn't have Calvin Johnson anymore for so many years. Yes, he doesn't have all that. But Matthew Stafford is still one of the greatest quarterbacks to play, talent-wise at least. This man has not had the teams around him. He's not had the defenses around him to make the team a contender, right? I mean, his, his weapons have been reduced from what they used to be. I mean, it's – with Matthew Stafford – He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks on the deep balls. He's one of the most consistent clutch quarterbacks. And, man, this dude has an arm. I mean, before Patrick Mahomes, it was Matthew Stafford that everybody talked about with that large cannon arm. But Matthew Stafford, for me, number nine, definitely um, a top ten quarterback. And if I may add, Kenny Galladay, I think, was the only player this season to have consecutive 25-plus yard catches from Matthew Stafford in the first eight or nine games of the season last year. So, hey, man, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you on having Matthew Stafford up there. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. For me, number eight, I'm going to actually piggyback off of you, Carson Wentz. I have him above Matthew Stafford. Carson Wentz is, you know, his injuries over the last few years have shortened his seasons, but when he plays, he is one of the most lethal quarterbacks, I'd say. He's talented. He's mobile. He can run out of the pocket. He's, he's smart. He's accurate. He's got, a, he's got a great arm. Carson Wentz is an elite NFL quarterback. Sadly, last year, and even in the playoffs, uh, Jadavia and Clowney knocked him out with a concussion. And I know the Eagles won the Super Bowl without him with, you know, Nick Foles at the helm. But definitely Carson Wentz, even that season, was having an outstanding MVP-type year. And I think – now with the right weapons around him, right protection, right offensive line. I think Carson Wentz is in for a huge year. Now for me, for number eight, this guy is 24 years old from Gainesville, Georgia, went to Clemson University, does not have his top, top wide receiver anymore. His top wide receiver got traded, and I don't want to talk about that trade, but got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. But look, if you were to tell me to start a team with this player, I would tell you 150% you need to start a team with this one quarterback. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback. And look, this man threw for 26 touchdowns. Yes, he had 12 interceptions, the most amount of interceptions he threw in any season. But think about it, 12 interceptions. The season before that, he threw nine. The season before that, he threw eight. And he threw for over 3,800 yards. So Deshaun Watson, he's a multidimensional quarterback. I don't think a lot of people understand. Everyone talks about 
Lamar Jackson being the fastest, Russell Wilson being the fastest, Patrick Mahomes being the fastest. Deshaun Watson is also up there. Yes, he's a young gun, but and look, he may not have DeAndre Hopkins on that team anymore. But look, when healthy, Brandon Cooks can do his thing. Will Fuller can do his thing. Kiki QT can do his thing. Kenny Stills can do his thing. Even Jordan Aikens can do his thing. You also have David Johnson and Duke Johnson in the back. So he does have his weapons. The question is, will his team stay healthy? And so that's why I put Deshaun Watson at number eight, because no matter what weapons you give him, he will still give you his 150%. No, 100%. Deshaun's a beast. <laughs> Deshaun is a beast. And that leads me to my number seven. And number seven, also, look, man, I'm not a big Atlanta guy. You already know that. You already know my team with the Baltimore Ravens. But Matt Ryan, I have him at number seven. Look, a lot of people don't understand the type of career that Matt Ryan has had. Matt Ryan last year, in two of his games, threw for 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. 10 touchdowns. That's five touchdowns average in a game. This man throwing for over 4,000 yards since 2011. 2011, he's throwing for over 4,000 yards. His completion rating has been over 64% average. He has Julio Jones. He has Calvin Ridley. He now has Hayden Hurst, who, by the way, was a great safety net for Lamar Jackson. So the fact that you have those guys, and now you're running with some running backs in Edo Smith, Matt Ryan, my man, is going to – ball out and show off when it comes to this upcoming NFL season. That's why I got him at number seven. All right. Well, my pick at number seven is none other than the six time Super Bowl winning quarterback, the goat Tom Brady, my man, 42 years old. Sorry, 42 years young. Let's, let's, let's keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady, last year, threw for 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions while being in his early 40s. Come on now. Tom Brady, how much better can you get? And this year, he's with a new team, new coach, with amazing receivers, by the way. I mean, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and let's not mention Gronk's back. Oh, Gronk? not, not, not only that, but he has O.J. Howard as a tight end as well. He's got weapons on weapons. They drafted a nice offensive lineman in the first round for him. I mean, he's going to have a really great offense. He's going to have a great season. Tom Brady, I don't care how many people say you're washed up or whatever. You're going to have a good season, and that's why you're number seven in my rankings. Going on to number six. Now, for number six for me, this is a, a toss-up because – I got to go with the bad man and also knows who I'm talking about. This man threw only four. And now let me tell you something about this man. He threw less than eight interceptions in the past 10 years that he's been a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Okay. He worked under a new system, Matt LaFleur's system with Devontae Adams. Oh, and sorry, with other injured wide receivers, if I may add. There, there was no help. <laughs> there was literally no help. Zero help. There were random people that I don't even know their names. They were on my fantasy team. But still, Aaron Rodgers worked with those people. 
He had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams killing it in the back. Aaron Rodgers, is, for me, is going to be the sixth best quarterback this upcoming season. No, definitely. All right. Let's move on to number six for me. And number six for me is none other than Mr. Cool Breeze, Drew Brees. All right. Drew Brees last year was injured for a few of the games. And Teddy Bridgewater had to come in and, you know, he, he took care of the job. But the rest of the season, Drew Brees threw for almost 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and four interceptions. His quarterback rating last year was 117. Was one, sorry, 116.3. And that is a really impressive season. I think if they don't keep running into the Vikings in the playoffs, Drew Brees could probably win another ring. But <laughs> at the end of the day, Drew Brees is an incredible quarterback. Once again, another 40-year-old wonder. I think with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, what these quarterbacks are doing, playing amazing in their prime, I mean, well beyond their primes, even in old age, these are top quarterbacks. And with all the young talent coming in, definitely they're, they're getting superseded, but they're still elite quarterbacks. And Drew Brees, for years, he's been with receivers like, you know, Marcus Colston, you know, Devery Henderson, these like random receivers. But last year, his receiver, Michael Thomas, had his season for the decade. And you know what? Drew Brees has the weapons. Drew Brees has a run game. Drew Brees has a great offensive line. He's going to have another great season this year. And now we go into the top five. The top five. For me, top five, number five. It's got to go to the man, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Do I need to say more? You got Chris Godwin. You have Mike Evans. You have Rob Gronkowski. You have Cameron, Cameron Bray. You have O.J. Howard. You have Keshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones splitting it up in the back. You made receivers like Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. All these guys lit up with Tom Brady under center. Do I need to say more? Tom Brady, number five, 43 years old. I think that's, I think that's it. <laughs> that's all that's left who you got (laughs) all right number five for me i know you had him a little lower on your list i think of him as a top five quarterback in the league right now deshaun watson he is elite my friend if i had to put top five quarterbacks there deshaun watson is my number five and here's why so every every now and then there's quarterbacks are coming into the league that are both that are sometimes really talented but they can't seem to, you know, hone in on their cla- on their craft. They can't seem to win games. Deshaun Watson in his first two seasons, I remember him coming out even as a rookie. He was killing it. He was going to be the number one pick for MVP. He was leading the league in touchdowns. He was leading the league in um, passing yards. This is what he was doing as a rookie when he first came in before his ACL tear. Right in the last two seasons, while playing for Houston, he's taken them to the playoffs both times. Yes, he fell short. That's because he ran into Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> of course, he's going to fall short. Um, so Deshaun Watson, he is a winner. I have not seen any quarterback do what they did to Alabama multiple times. 
Um, so Deshaun Watson really is the only quarterback I've seen dominate Alabama in two games, um, both in the national championship games, one he won, one he lost. He's a winner. He's going to win a lot of games, and I know he's going to win a Super Bowl in the future. But Deshaun Watson is my number five quarterback going into the NFL season. All right, now we go on to number four. Now, you got him a little bit lower on your list, but for me, he's going to be a top five quarterback and always a top five quarterback. When you're in the past four years have been throwing for more than 70% completion and you make guys like Marcus Colston, Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, all these wide receivers look good and you make Taysom Hill look good of all people? Taysom Hill, a multi-dimensional player who can play Taysom tight Hill end. is, by the way, a quarterback. <laughs> He's a quarterback who plays running back, wide receiver, tight end, lineman, D-line, whatever you want him to play, he'll play for you. Yeah. Drew Brees is the man to be. I don't think a lot of people understand. Drew Brees is a risk taker. This guy will take risk left and right to make sure that his team goes all the way to the top. So, Drew Brees, for me, you are number four. Yeah, going along the same lines, I think me and you flip-flop these guys. But I have, as Stephen A. Smith says, that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Rodgers and his neighborhood. Aaron Rodgers, over the last seasons, has quote-unquote – according to his standards, been dropping. But please tell me what other quarterback in a new system is throwing less than – he threw four interceptions last year. Four. He's not thrown – he doesn't throw interceptions. This guy does not throw picks. He had 25 touchdowns and four picks. That's – like, it's absolutely blasphemous that people think that he's regressing if that's what they're talking about. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is throwing 45 touchdowns and six interceptions and those, those days. But it's a new system. The system is running. Aaron Jones had 20 touchdowns rushing the ball. Those 20 touchdowns could have easily been 10. 10 of those could have easily, easily been like touchdown passes. I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has given up his role as being the major MVP candidate for the team. And at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers played well. Aaron Rodgers with, took the Green Bay Packers to the NFC Championship game. And you know what? Once again, the defense let him down. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers will always be a top five quarterback in my book. He is still, up until Patrick Mahomes came into the league, he is still the most talented and most consistent and most efficient quarterback. Not just, not just my opinion. These are stats. These are statistically, he is the most efficient quarterback in NFL history, hundred and almost hundred and three passer rating for his career. That not many quarterbacks have over hundred. Tom Brady doesn't even have over hundred passer rating for his career. He is one of the most efficient, one of the most talented, and even at his age, he can move. He can go out of the pocket. He's a nightmare for any defense. Hey man, I in my opinion, I agree. Aaron Rodgers, he never regresses. That's the thing with him. Yeah, his age may say something, but age doesn't tell how well this bad man is when he's on that football field. Yeah, I mean, 25 touchdowns and four interceptions is like a great season for any player in the league. It's a godlike season. Yeah. (laughs) Going on to the top 
three. The top three. For me, I got to go with a man who doesn't have a lot of well-known weapons. Let me explain to you something. When you're a quarterback working under Pete Carroll's system and you do not have guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones and Michael Thomas and Tyree Kill on your team, but then you have guys like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf on your team as wide receivers, and you're throwing 31 touchdowns, five picks for over 4,000 yards, and have a 106.3 QB rating, Russell Wilson deserves to be in the top three. Russell Wilson is probably by far one of the most efficient quarterbacks to come into today's football game. He's changed history. He's changed the way that football is ran. He could throw a ball while running out of bounds all the way to the opposite end of the field, and the player would still catch it. It actually happened. Jermaine Kearse did it. He's done it already. So, Russell Wilson, how, how can you get more multidimensional than him? He's thrown for over 4,000 yards for, five, for three out of the five past years. And he doesn't even have godlike receivers. He doesn't have a Julian Edelman on his team when he was in his prime. He doesn't have a Julio Jones on his team. He doesn't have a Tyree Kill. He doesn't have guys like that. So the fact that Russell Wilson is working with tier two, tier three level receivers and is still putting up those numbers, what else can you say to that? So Russell Wilson for me is number three. All right, number three for me is the 2019 NFL MVP. Your boy, Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson at the beginning of the season, people thought he was a running back. And from the first game of the season, he proved them wrong. Throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Start off the season. Got a little better as the season got along. So much better that he threw for 36 touchdowns last year. Threw for over 3,000 yards. Not only that, he rushed for 12 he rushed for seven other touchdowns but he ran for 1200 yards as a quarterback clinching Michael Vick's record that at the quarterback position I'll take that any day you have a guy who can not only throw the ball run the ball but this is an elite athlete the defense the defense this year for, for the Ravens got a lot better. And last year, they were great as well. But in that's in, in the, when it counted the most, you know, in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson and the defense were nowhere to be seen. However, this year, Lamar Jackson not only has a defense, he has an offense this year. He has receivers. He has running backs. He has multiple running backs now in his backfield. I think this season for Lamar Jackson with the extended weapons, the different receivers they drafted. They, they brought in um, more help on the defensive side of the ball. This team can make a legit run and be the Super Bowl champions. And I think Lamar Jackson can do it. And Lamar Jackson, by far, is one of the most talented athletes, not just players, not just quarterback. He's the most talented athlete in, in the NFL right now. So 
I'm going to have to say Lamar Jackson, MVP, love last year, number three on my board. Now we go to number two. And I think you and I actually flip-flop on this one. So I got my boy Lamar Jackson. Yes, I'm going bias on this. Lamar Jackson at number two. Look, when you're talking about a man who's rushing 1,206 yards as a quarterback, the most, one of the most rushing yards out of any running back, and then you're talking about a quarterback that only threw for six interceptions? You kidding me? Lamar Jackson. He's in the same situation Russell Wilson is in. He's got a great running committee. But he just brought in Hollywood Brown. They have Miles Boykin. They have Willie Sneed. They have Chris Moore. But you don't have a guy like Julio. You don't have a guy like Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Jarvis Landry, to name a few. You don't have receivers like that on your team. So the fact that Lamar Jackson is running a team who had Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst on your team, and you were doing well with guys like that, and then you have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins who are splitting that one-two punch. Everybody better watch out for Baltimore. I'm telling you, Super Bowl ring's coming soon. I'm telling you, Super Bowl ring coming soon. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. Yeah. Now we definitely flip-flopped on number two. So for me, Russell Wilson – Easily the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. Russell Wilson, let me, let me just talk about something that I think very few quarterbacks actually do, and that is stay consistent for their career. Russell Wilson, for his entire career, he averages about 4,000, close to 3,500 to 4,000 yards, you know, passing. He averages close to 30 touchdowns per, week, per year, and he averages less than 10 interceptions a year. That is... He is only behind Aaron Rodgers in his career for the highest quarterback rating. Aaron Rodgers owns a record for a career quarterback rating, and Russell Wilson is right behind him. And Russell Wilson, he's been to two Super Bowls. He's a one-time Super Bowl champion. He has had no weapons, no major weapons his entire career. And he has put up MVP numbers over the last four years, or over the last three years, actually. Last year, he threw for 31 touchdowns, five picks. But, you know, sadly, Lamar Jackson came in and decided to one-up him. The year before that, he threw for 35 touchdowns and seven picks. But then Patrick Mahomes had to have the amazing season and one-up him again. Right? And you look at his career consistently. He is winning games. He's, his, the Seahawks are in the playoffs almost every year. They don't, they don't miss the playoffs often. And that's a lot on Russell Wilson because he is their offense. And were it not for one dumb play call, he would have had two Super Bowls as well. <laughs> All right, and, I agree. Um, you know, there's nothing else. I, I remember watching Russell Wilson. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I was a huge Wisconsin Badgers fan. And I remember, I think in 2010 or 2011, it was one of those years where we were in, um, we were in a game against Michigan State for the Big Ten title. I think this was the first ever Big Ten championship. I remember it was like fourth and eight or something like that, or fourth and 15. And I just remember Russell Wilson running around, running around in the backfield and just launching like a Hail Mary type throw, like getting chased by multiple defenders, just launching a perfect Hail Mary type throw. 
and I think one of the Wisconsin receivers caught it, and I think we scored on that drive to win the game. But ever since that game, when Seattle drafted him in the third round, I'm like, they got a steal because I knew I watched was I watched Russell Wilson at Wisconsin that one year, and I'm like, this guy is a winner. This guy will win the game for you on when the game's on the line. He's clutch. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's in the MVP conversation every year. Russell Wilson, number two quarterback in the league. And last, but definitely not least, and us and I can finally agree on something because this He's guy. my homie, who's your homie, who has a $500 million arm. <laughs> Listen, he's the gunslinger. He's showtime. This man, last year, or not last season, but the season before, threw for 50 touchdowns. Year before, year last year, 26 and five. That's this with missing man, games, too. Oh, yeah, of course. As after missing games. He's from Tyler, Texas. Went to Texas Tech. This boy is younger than me and Usud. He is younger than us. And he is making Way to make us feel bad about ourselves, man. Huh? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Bad about ourselves. <laughs> look, listen. Look, the fact that we're looking at young guys like this man, you're a Super Bowl MVP. And you threw 50 touchdowns in one of your seasons? In his first starting season, he threw 50 touchdowns. If I may add, yeah, exactly. Patrick, the gun slinging Mahomes. There's, there's just one thing I have to say, and that is the talent. The, it, there's one thing in the NFL that's called the eye test, right? It's just what you see on the field. I'm telling you that there has never up until I thought Aaron Rodgers was the most talented player I've ever seen. And I, I still believe that until Patrick Mahomes came along there. He is Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, combine all of them together. Russell Wilson's legs too. He is all of them in one man. This guy can, launch the ball he can throw it accurately he can make the tough throws he can make the clutch throws he is the entire offense of kansas city and without a doubt patrick mahomes is by miles ahead of every other quarterback in the nfl right now and and honestly if healthy and he keeps up this performance also we may be looking at the greatest quarterback of all time. Right. To have that recognition is so sacred. Right. I mean, for years, everyone thought it was Montana, right? Then you had, you know, Peyton Manning coming into the league, putting up the numbers, Tom Brady coming into the league, putting up the Super Bowl trophies, back and forth, Drew Brees tearing it up. Aaron Rodgers tearing it up for years. It's been this, this GOAT conversation has been going on. Tom Brady is the GOAT right now because he has six championships. And he's had an, ex- an outstanding NFL career. But now, two years in to the league, and you have an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP, that's huge. That I just cannot wait to see where Patrick Mahomes' career takes him. I hope he plays for another 15, 20 years. I hope he wins a lot of championships. I hope he wins a lot of MVP awards because he's just exciting to watch. When Patrick Mahomes is playing, 
I don't even care if the Packers are playing. Sometimes I'm like, I need to see what's going on there because you're just so amazed by what he can do. I agree, man. The for, – for people that have ever played quarterback in high school, rec, recreational leagues, college, to be a guy like Patrick Mahomes and to have that type of accuracy with guys like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, and in year two, you're doing stuff like this, going into year three, year four, and then when year 20 or 25 comes, we hear the greatest of all time conversation comes in. It isn't no Montana. It isn't no John Elway. It isn't no Dan Marino. It isn't no Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. And no offense, man, it's not even no Lamar Jackson or even Aaron Rodgers. It's Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. Like, that's yeah. – it's, what can you say? Like, it's every every NFL scout, every NFL, and every college scout too is looking for the next Patrick Mahomes now. His talent is so rare that everyone wants that strong arm, mobile quarterback that's accurate. It's the it's the all in one package. I've only seen it before in one other quarterback, and that was Aaron Rodgers. And now I see it now in Patrick Mahomes. And there's guys like Kyler Murray, uh, Tua Tongalova, and all these new guys coming in. Trevor Lawrence coming in next year along with Justin Fields. Like guys like that who are trying to replicate the game that Patrick Mahomes has set for these guys. There's no more conversation about being a pocket passer quarterback. Now it's all about being multidimensional being able to stay in the pocket, being able to run out of the pocket, being able to outbeat any of the defense, being able to stand your own ground. That's the new standard barrier as a quarterback. Yeah. And I think and that's what it is. It's, it's the rare talent. It's changed the game. It's changed our financial system of the game. It's honestly, this man is going to change the NFL, the way it works, how we scout the players that want to develop. I mean, it's, I see him as this generation's like, you like, you know how in the NBA, when like Steph Curry started putting up more, like threes, like crazy and the entire NBA is like, you know what? We need to start shooting more threes. I think that's like the push now. I mean, quarterbacks in the quarterbacks in the NFL are want to, are going to want to have that strong arm mobile ability. You, it's not going to be the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady sit in the pocket and throw like, the days, I mean, those quarterbacks were great. They can do a lot from the pocket. But you can see that Patrick Mahomes, when he takes, when Patrick Mahomes takes over a game, it's almost like Jordan-esque. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's like that Super Bowl, even, even in the Super Bowl, like, you're just like, what's going to happen here? I mean, in, in, even in the AFC playoffs, when they were down big, I think they were down, what, 21, 24 to like three against the Texans or something like that? I think the so, playoffs, yeah. they came back and put up like 40 points in that game. Like, that's ridiculous. Man, I still remember in the one quarter. I think in one quarter, he scored four touchdowns. That's crazy. Dude, the conversation last year people were having was, man, the Texans are going to play the Titans. We need to buy some Texans tickets. I had And look, I live in Houston, so people were asking me to buy Texans tickets. I was going to buy Texans tickets and sell them. And I was like, I'm going to wait till the second half because there's no way Mahomes is going out like that. 
Mm-hmm. And when Mahomes did his performance, I said, I'm so glad I saved my money because, <laughs> oh, man, I would have invested in Texans tickets that wouldn't have even existed. That's true. I mean, look, I'm excited about watching all the new quarterbacks this year, too. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what Joe Burrow does, what Tua does, Justin Herbert. I'm excited to see, you know, quarterbacks like Kyler Murray take the next step. Um, I'm excited to see even people like Ben Roethlisberger come back this year. That'd be, that'd be nice to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's like hope uh, him and uh, Juju Smith uh, can uh, make names for themselves in exactly. the AFC North. Yeah, and the quarterback I'm actually looking forward to see the most is Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton has a chip oh, on his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, him yeah, playing with Bill yeah, Belichick, Cam I think Newton. I'm Oh, so, man. Cam yeah. Newton is going to be the new face for the New England Patriots. Yeah. So, a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. A lot of old quarterbacks having new homes, starting off with a fresh start. A lot of them coming back from injuries. Let's hope everyone stays healthy, stays away from COVID. And uh, I'm excited for the NFL season. Let's hope it happens. I am too. And with that, that's going to be a wrap for the fourth episode of the Baller Burst Podcast. We want to thank you guys for following us, giving us a lot of likes, also mentioning us on some of your platforms. I know some podcasts have hit us up, and we definitely want all of you guys to be sharing these podcasts or this podcast specifically around everybody that you know. We're the up-and-coming Baller Burst Podcast, bringing all the news to you. And hey, in the next few weeks, um, said I actually never told you this. We may have a certain celebrity come on our show for uh, oh, two minutes. snap. I'll tell you a little bit more about it after the show because no one's allowed to know. All right. That sounds good. I'm excited. Woo-woo! All right. With that, we are ready to sign off in three, two, one.